Amen. All righty. But uh, hey, by the way, again, give it up for Joey Florentino. Matt there. Wait till you see the floor. And uh, funny, you know, churches, a lot of people do a lot of things behind the scenes, and we just uh, we don't even realize it. But if you guys don't realize this, uh, one of the many unsung heroes in church ministry is the sound engineer. Give it up for Aaron and the crew back there. That's right. And, uh, and believe it or not, a good sound engineer goes through a lot and uh, does a whole lot more than you and I could ever imagine. I think we take for granted. So this morning, I wanted to give you an idea of just what a good sound engineer goes through just to, to make things sound good. Okay, let me, let me give you this example. Let's take a look. It's dramatic. We're not going to make it We'll never see the light again But I will keep on going Till the Beautiful Aaron back there, that's right, in the crew. And uh, believe it or not, folks, that guy on the video, he's not the only one sweating bullets getting hand cramps, okay? Uh, believe it or not, folks, we take this for granted. You see, if Aaron didn't do what she did back there, then I would sound like this. Hi, this is Pastor Billy of Sunrise Baptist Church. Don't you want to come back next week? And since we want you to come back, that's why Aaron does what she does. Give it up for Aaron, that's right. And, uh, but... Uh, in all seriousness, that video uh, with the sound engineer and what he's going through, it reminds me of something that's coming to this planet. And what's going to happen, unfortunately, is people's tunes are going to change, okay? And they're going to change just like that when Jesus Christ comes back. You see, on this side of the wall, prior to the rapture, isn't our world doing this? Aren't they singing a happy, merrily tune? Aren't they laughing at us, scoffing at us when we talk about Jesus? You need to get saved. You need to get saved now. Ha, 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 la, 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 Right? But folks, after the rapture, on the other side of the wall, that tune is going to change into a horrific moan, uh, even worse than that lady. I didn't say that. The Bible did. They made the worst mistake ever. Let's take a look at two of those passages. Revelation 6, this is the first half of the seven-year tribulation. 16, verse 17, they called to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the what? The wrath of the lamb. Notice the exclamation point. They're screaming this out. For the great day of the wrath has come and who can stand? Jesus said, Luke 21, 26, men will faint from terror. Literally there in the Greek, they're going to die of heart attacks from fear, apprehensive of what is coming on the world for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. So much for the merry tune and laughing and scoffing and mocking, right? Folks, this is what's going on, okay? And the issue is that people need to realize that, folks, this is not a game. 
Okay, this is really coming to our planet, okay, and they need to be prepared. The reason why, folks, you don't want to be singing some fake, uh, crazy, scoffing tune is because the Bible's clear. It is the worst time in the history of mankind. The seven-year tribulation is a horrible time. Jesus said it's the worst time in the history of mankind. God is going to pour out his wrath on this planet. Listen, not just one day, not just one month, not just one year, but year after year after year, seven years nonstop. It's not a happy tune. It's not a happy time. Therefore, uh, because God loves you and I, he gives us so many warning signs to let us know when it's getting close. How many guys would appreciate that? You know? So we're not caught off guard. So we know when it's getting close to seven-year tribulation and the rapture of the church, which happens prior. So we're going to continue uh, in our study. That's right. Uh, the final countdown update. Okay, And we've seen the first nine updates on the final countdown study so far. And that was the Jewish people, the Antichrist, modern technology, worldwide upheaval, the rise of falsehood, the rise of wickedness, the rise of apostasy, the rise of a one-world religion. And that's right, Bobby, the last six times. Yes, I am. Thank you very much. Is the rise of a one world government. And what we saw clearly is God lovingly foretold you and I that when we see all the world's governments around the planet coming together as one, which is happening right now today, and we saw that with the uh, coercive proof, the quotational proof, the union proof, the control proof, and the last three times with the monitor proof. And there we saw that the big brother uh, society is coming. Why? Because the Bible says in Revelation 13, the Antichrist is going to make, force, order, and cause people to do all over the planet what he says to do or you're going to die. And so logically, how in the world is he going to do that? Well, he's got to develop some sort of a big brother surveillance society, and that's what's being done today. And we saw it's being done with our information system, our satellite system, our transportation system, the cameras going up everywhere, communication. How about those cell phones? But it wasn't just cell phones we saw last time. Uh, it's with our location system, i.e. our home with our computers. Okay, how about those computers? And we saw that those computers that we bring into our homes are being used to monitor you and I with data tracking, webcams, microphones, emails, and those home automation systems. Huh? Isn't that exciting? Now they can watch you anywhere in the public, but even in your own home. They'll know exactly who the uh, Christians are. They'll know everything about you. There's no place to hide. And that's exactly what the Antichrist needs. He's got all bases covered. Okay, but that's not all the 10th sign on the final countdown update letting us know we're living in the last days is the rise of a one world what? Economy. That's right, Bobby. Economy. Two for two today. Uh, that's right. See, folks, the Bible's clear one day. Listen, the planet is not only going to be under the authority of the Antichrist. That's what we saw in the last six studies, okay? A one world government. But the Bible also is serious, folks, that the Antichrist is going to control the economy, Okay. We're going to be under the, a one-world economy. He's not just going to monitor you. He's not just going to politically control you. He is going to control all the money. And he who controls the money really controls you. Okay? But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God's. Let's go back to our classic text, Revelation chapter 13. Uh, let's take a look there. Revelation 13. We're going to read verses 11 through 17. And uh, let's take a look at what's going on here. And, of course, the context here is the false prophet, once again, uh, the cohort <clears throat> of the Antichrist, and they're going to implement a horrible system. And as we're going to see, it doesn't just have to deal with government. It has to do with cash, okay? They're going to control everything on the world that has to deal with the economy, i.e. cash, okay? And uh, let's take a look at that passage. Revelation 13, verse 11. The beast coming out of the earth. And he says this, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a what? A dragon. He's the false prophet. He too, like the Antichrist, again is inspired by Satan. He exercised all authority of the first beast, the Antichrist, on his behalf. And he made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. 
And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. And because of these signs, he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast. He deceived the inhabitants of the earth. And he ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast, the Antichrist, who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. And then he was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be what? To be killed. Now, how many guys just stop right there? That's, that's not a good time. And this is on a planetary scale, but can continue on. Now he gets even more specific. He says, now he also did this. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and sla uh, slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead. Why? So that no one could buy or sell unless he had the what? The mark, which is the name of the beast, the Antichrist, or the number of his name okay so we see here clearly the bible says there is coming a day folks when all the inhabitants of the earth are not just going to be under the authority of the antichrist okay they're going to be under his economy uh, as well his monetary system he's going to control all the cash because and he has to because logically what's it say there you at one point will not be able to specifically buy and sell and what do you need to buy and sell with you need money so he's going to have to be able to control this on a planetary scale. So the question for you and I is, could this really happen? Could this really, I mean, could our whole world really be deceived? I mean, this has been written down as a warning for us of what is to come for nearly 2,000 years. Could our world really be deceived in creating a one world global economy for this antichrist to hijack and take over one day? Yeah. In fact, folks, it's already taking place. Okay, and it's been taking place for quite some time. Okay, and the first proof we know we are headed for this one world economy is the machinery is already in place. Listen, this is the same thing we saw with Big Brother. This is the same thing we saw with the one world religion, the same thing with the one world government. Listen, what's changed now, folks, is listen, even just from a couple years ago, this is not coming. This is already here. Okay? It's not coming. It's not five years. It's not 50 years down the road. It's already here. Listen, and it's already being put into place. The machinery for a one world economy is already being put into place, okay? Most people don't realize that, listen, folks, our world is going to go unto a one world economy that the Antichrist is going to hijack and take over because the Bible says so and God doesn't get it wrong. It's going to happen. But what most people don't realize is it's been in the planning stages for a long time. And they're just about there to pull the whole thing off, okay? And that's what our study's about. Right now, folks, as we sit here and we're concerned about other things, there is absolute plans for absolute total economic control of our whole planet for the first time in mankind's history. And they've got the machinery, the pieces needed for that already in place. For instance, there's already a universal bank on the planet, and it's called the World Bank. Shocker. Must be a guy thing, Ruth. What are we going to call this thing that governs the world? I know. How about the World Bank? Okay. But the World Bank, which is right now, and has been for years, folks, the leading lender of the world's money to nations around the planet. You go to the World Bank for that. That's been here for quite some time. But wait a second. Uh, put it all together. If you're going to have a universal bank, then you need to have some sort of universal lending institution to dis uh, oversee the dispersion of that money and the loans that people take out, right? Well, folks, what in the world do you think this uh, entity called the IMF or International Monetary Fund is? And that's been in function for quite some time. That's exactly what that thing is. They oversee the whole world's financial system, and they are the ones who exchange, uh, fix the exchange rates for the loans. It's being done on a global basis, okay? 
But wait a second, if you got a universal lending institution, then you need to have some sort of a universal money exchanger to funnel all this money to all the different countries, right? Well, that's already been in place for a long time. There's a universal electronic banking system for the whole planet called SWIFT, is the acronym, which automatically makes sure that all the different money transactions around the world matches all the different currencies around the world. Well, wait a second. If you're going to have a universal money exchanger, then you need to have a universal strong arm to punish those who do not obey this world banking system, right? Well, folks, have you ever heard of the World Trade Organization? What in the world do you think its function is and has been for years? Okay, the World Trade Organization right now not only sets all the trade rules for the whole planet and has been doing for quite some time, folks, but they even set and put out billion dollars, not millions, billion dollar fines for countries who do not obey what they say to do, including America, which means we're not calling the shots. And folks, there's more than that, but as you're getting an idea, the machinery's not coming, the machinery's already in place. All the pieces needed in the chessboard to create a one-ruled economy are already here, already functioning, not 50 years down the road. So all the machinery's already here. Now, for further proof that it's all being come together, it's almost like at the last stages and it's just a, a quick gathering, that's what's going on with all the treaties that you may or may not have heard in the news is all about. And these treaties tie in together all that machinery to create this global uh, economy, okay? And it's been going for quite some time, and it's escalating exponentially. Back in 1944, we saw the GATT Treaty, okay? How many guys name your last cat that? GATT. Boy, that rhymes, and that's hard to say. Uh, the GATT Treaty, 1944. That was the General Agreement on Trades and Tariffs. Now, that was put into place to begin the process to liberalize world trade, Okay. 50 years later, we have NAFTA. How, how did that work out for us? Yeah, not good, and we'll get to that in a second, okay? Uh, that was put into place, okay? 10 years after that, 2004, we had CAFTA, the uh, Central American Free Trade Agreement for Central American countries. The next year, they got the uh, FTAA, the Federal Trade Agreement of the Americas, which uh, ties in with the economies and the corporations of the whole Western Hemisphere, Okay, so they're starting to get bigger and bigger chunks. And this isn't just happening in the Western Hemisphere. Listen, it's happening all over the world. There's another treaty out there called AFTA, the ASEAN Free Trade Agreement, APTA, the Asian Pacific Trade Agreement, SICA, the Central uh, American Integration System, SEFTA, the Central European Free Trade Agreement, and GAFTA, the Greater uh, Arab Free Trade Agreement, and on and on it goes, SAFTA, TAFTA, all kinds of them. Now, the latest one that's out there, and again, each one of these treaties ties in the economies of sections of the planet into this machinery, locks them in. The latest one that's going on, you thought NAFTA was bad, this is, this is it, folks. It's called TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. This treaty encompasses 12 nations in the Pacific area who all tie in there. You got Australia, Australia, Brunei, Canada, Chile, Japan, Malaysia, Mexico, New Zealand, Peru, Singapore, Vietnam, and of course, the United States. And all I got to say, folks, if this baby goes through, you think it's hard getting a job now? You ain't seen nothing yet. It's actually called NAFTA on steroids. Now, the problem is the current administration is not only working on this, which is going to completely undermine American sovereignty and give it over into the hands of these corporations. But it's being done in secret by our own president. Check this out. The Obama administration is preparing to sell America out 
to a handful of private corporations. Well, more than a handful, but anyhow, that's because right now President Obama is preparing to push through the largest trade deal in human history, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, or, if it's, or as it's more commonly known, the TPP. If approved, the TPP would create a whole new set of rules regulating the economies of 12 countries, the red countries seen here, on four different continents bordering the Pacific Ocean. These rules cover everything from pharmaceuticals to digital copyright law and could permanently change the way everyday Americans and people all over the world interact with the global economy. It would unconstitutionally transfer legislative powers from the U.S. Congress, our state legislatures, our city and county governments to multinational corporations and unaccountable international bureaucrats at the World Trade Organization, otherwise known as the WTO. Incredibly, it would also transfer judicial powers from our federal and state courts, which are already bad enough, to globalist TPP judges at regional tribunals and the WTO. Like the infamous NAFTA trade agreement passed in the 1990s, the TPP would usher in another wave of outsourcing as the remaining manufacturing and technology bases would be given incentives to move to the Pacific Rim countries, resulting in millions of more American job losses. You, you would think, as a result of this, that the Obama administration would want to keep the public as up-to-date as possible on such a big trade deal, right? Wrong. The United States has negotiated the TPP almost entirely in secret with the help of about 600 private corporations. No wonder then that the Obama administration doesn't even want Congress to take a closer look at the TPP. To push the U.S. into the proposed treaty as soon as possible, the president is trying to use a special legislative trick called fast-tracking that would prevent lawmakers from making any amendments to the TPP. If instituted, if you read, write, publish, think, listen, dance, sing, or invent, if you farm or consume food, if you're ill now or one, one day might be ill, the TPP has you in its crosshairs. Well, I mean, you keep that up, you itemize it to that level. What's next? You're going to control what I buy and sell? And it's all being interconnected. Now, folks, I don't know what else you call this. I mean, to, to be working behind the scenes and trying to fast track this through our Congress, not even giving the ability to look at it. Which is what they did with the health care bill. Remember that? Remember it was a Nancy Pelosi? Hey, we got to pass it so we can find out what's in it. <laughs> it's the same thing. They're trying to ram this baby through. But excuse me, it not only would just destroy and take away once again more millions of jobs here in our own country. But what's it do? It bypasses Congress and it bypasses our courts. Can I tell you the old-fashioned term for this kind of behavior? It's called treason. It's called treason. But see, none of this makes sense. Why would these people do this? Because, folks, there's a bigger game going on here. The Bible told us in the last days, is as insane as this sounds, one day the whole planet is going to go into a global economy. And these treaties are tying it all together with machinery. Okay? As you can saw, there are multitudes of nations all being tied together. There's another treaty. You thought that one was bad? Pay attention. I'm going to give you a little uh, foresight here. Uh, there's another treaty out there that's being pushed called TISA, T-I-S-A. It's called the Trade and Services Agreement. This one goes beyond just 12 countries. This one covers 50 countries or 68.2% of world trade and services, which means uh, you only have left after that treaty 31.8% to go to reach your ultimate goal, goal of interconnecting 100% of the economies. In that swoop, that's how fast it's going. 
Folks, this is not a game, okay? The machinery to pull off a one-world economy is being put into place right now. And even the current administration is in on it. We're living in the last days. we got to get motivated. The second proof that we're headed for a one-world economy is not just the machineries in place, but uh, speaking of chunks, so are the unions, okay? The unions are already being put into place. Now, this is what we saw before in the one-world government section with the ten-horned kingdom of the Antichrist, okay? We saw that the Bible predicted that the planet was going to be split up into 10 specific chunks. Those chunks were going to give that power over to the Antichrist. Now, I bring it up again because it doesn't just uh, give us the idea that it's going to be a governmental split up of 10 chunks. It's going to be an economic union as well. So let's go back to that text in Revelation uh, 17, verse 12 through 13. says, The 10 horns you saw are 10 kings who have not yet received a kingdom but who for one hour will receive authority as kings along with the beast. They have one purpose and they will what? They will give their authority and power over to who? The beast who is, of course, the Antichrist. So again, the Bible says that in the last days, in the seven-year tribulation, the Antichrist kingdom is going to be split up. The whole planet is going to be split up into specifically 10 different regions ruled by 10 different kings. And rather than go through all that again, as we saw, if you were there, uh, we saw that that's exactly what's being done right now. Our planet right now is being split up into exactly 10 chunks led by 10 rulers. We saw that, okay? Not five, not 122, not 19, exactly wonder of wonders, they're splitting the planet up into 10 chunks, okay? But again, it's not just governmental unions to govern the planet. These 10 chunks are economic unions to tie together the economies, all right? And then when they get tied together governmentally and economically, what's the text say they're going to do? Now they're going to hand it all to the Antichrist, which gives him the ability to what? Control the whole planet. It's being done right now. Now, we saw that with the example, of course, with the European Union, right? What was going on with the European Union? What was the watershed event with that event? What was the big deal? You saw a group of countries come together to combine, listen, not just their governments into one. We saw them combine their economies into one and produced a new currency called the euro okay then we saw africa do the same thing with their union one of the 10 chunks the african union which is a region of countries most of africa there that came together not just governmentally but economically and they're proposing a new currency called the afro i'm not making it up we saw that before as funny as that is okay some would say it's also afrique uh, because of the afro and everybody laughs about that but that's what they're doing okay then we saw in great detail the north american union between canada united states and mexico with the proposed uh, currency called the amero then we saw even recently russia you think well russia is never going to start combining with us yes they are they already did it with the eurasian economic union they have a new proposed currency called the alton okay and we saw there's plans for a south american union asian union mediterranean union central asian union pacific union it all adds up specifically to 10 exactly like the bible warned about 2000 years ago but again it's not just their governments it's about the economy they're combining their currencies now what's happened is it's created a currency war on the planet behind the scenes we're all worried about other things behind the scenes our planet is so much on the verge of war i don't think we're even prepared for it but one of the things that's causing this stir is who's going to be left on top with their currency as the main dog Okay, watch this. A currency world war is looming for the global economy. This is according to Russia having sent out the warning. The concerns were sparked by Japan's move to lower the yen in pursuit of better exports 
causing fears of a massive chain reaction as other nations follow suit. The global economy is on the verge of a currency war. Let me paint a quick picture for you. Japan, where the newly elected prime minister is pushing for a more aggressive central bank policy, has been dropping the yen. It went down by 11% since December. Meanwhile, in the European Union, experts say Europe has fired the first shell. EU financial authorities warn the rising euro is threatening the economy. Now, the United States have been printing bucks for the last five years to support the markets, but that also makes the dollar cheaper. Washington has been looking over the shoulder uh, at China, which holds the majority of U.S. foreign debt, and Beijing is also accused of holding back its currency. But the last time a major currency war happened was during the Great Depression era in the 1930s, which resulted in a slowdown of international trade, and all was part of the lead-up to World War II. Interesting. So it's almost like history is being repeated. What led up to World War II was once again you had a global crisis going on with currency. Everybody's trying to vie for a position here, and I wonder what this one's going to lead to. Some would say this might very well be the impetus for World War III. Now, as we saw before, the, the occult, the occult actually want World War III because the occult believes that it's a great thing. Because out of the, their own words, out of the ashes of World War III, the Antichrist, who they think is a good guy, will arise and bring back the peace and economies on the planet after the ashes of World War III. So that's happening right now behind the scenes while we're concerned with other things. In fact, speaking of wars, many believe that this uh, battle right now, currently over the world's economies, as you saw there, is explaining other things that we're seeing in the news. How many of you guys have noticed uh, for quite a while now, all of a sudden, uh, the news will mention this, if you've seen it, here and there, but there's something mysterious going on. World bankers all over the world are dying mysteriously. Have you heard that? Some have. It's happening. And I'm talking the big banks, too. All of a sudden, these guys are dying mysteriously all over the planet. Somebody's taking them out, a lot of people believe. Why? Well, are, are they resisting somebody's plans? Don't know, but that's mystery number one. But one thing we do know, the real reason, listen, the real reason why Gaddafi, the leader of Libya, was taken out recently, it had nothing to do with terrorism or safety. That's what we were told. But even the news is admitting the real reason why they took him out, because he was messing with the global system, the global economies. He was trying to get on top. Let's take a look at that. And our resolve is clear. The people of Libya must be protected. But some are convinced intervention in Libya is all about currency, specifically Gaddafi's plan to introduce the gold dinar, a single African currency made from gold, a true sharing of the wealth. It's one of these things that you have to plan almost in secret, because as soon as you say you're going to change over from the dollar to the something else, you're going to be targeted. In the months leading up to the military intervention, he called on African and Muslim nations to join together to create this new currency that would rival the dollar and euro. They would sell oil and other resources around the world only for gold dinars. If Gaddafi uh, had an intent to try to uh, reprice his oil or whatever else the, uh, the country was uh, selling in the global markets and accept something else as a currency or maybe launch a gold dinar currency, any move such as that would certainly not be welcomed by the power elite today who are responsible for controlling the world's central banks. So yes, that would certainly be something that would cause his immediate dismissal and the need for other reasons to, uh, to be brought forth for removing him from power. It's happened before. In 2000, Saddam Hussein announced Iraqi oil would be traded in euros, not dollars. Sanctions and an invasion followed. Interesting. 
almost like we've been told a lie. Folks, even the news is now admitting it. Okay? And they're, they're, they're now admitting it sooner than they used to. Right? Remember how we used to, and we, we used to be told that uh, uh, we had no advance uh, notice of Pearl Harbor? How many times have you seen on the History Channel now, they admit it, that they knew it. But that event was allowed to trigger America to get into World War II. That's common knowledge. And folks, it's the same thing with this, but except they're not just waiting 40 years to spill the beans. Uh, it's only a few years, and they spill the beans if you know what to look for. In fact, speaking of being punished right now, so is Russia with their economy, okay? We all know that the oil prices have been plummeting, right, on a massive scale very quickly. Turn to somebody and say, Yahoo! Right? Now, we like that. We like that at the gas pump, okay? But uh, other countries whose economies are more dependent on higher oil prices, like Russia, like Iran and Venezuela, there's no Yahoo about it. It's killing their economies. And many believe it's being used as a tool to spank Russia for what? For doing what Libya did, what uh, Iraq did, and that's messing with the global economy, trying to mess with the plans. And believe it or not, our president even admitted it. This is a quote, a transcript from an interview. He said, if you recall, their economy, Russia, was already contracting even before oil collapsed. And part of our rationale in this process was that the only thing keeping that economy afloat was the price of oil. And if, in fact, we were steady in applying sanction pressure, we, uh, which we have been, that over time it would make the economy of Russia sufficiently vulnerable and that they'd have an enormous difficulty in management. In other words, we're going to take you down by specifically driving down the price of oil. So you think it's, well, it's because they care about us as the government. They, they got so tired of us having those high prices that they want us to get some relief, right? Yeah. No, it's being used as a tool to take down Russia. And you go, well, why? Why are we now messing with Russia? I mean, that's kind of a big dog. Why do you want to mess with Russia? Listen, quote, because Vladimir Putin is creating institutions that rival the International Monetary Fund and the World Bank. And he's increasing membership in an integrated single market Eurasian economic union. And he's attacking the structural foundation upon which the global economy rests. So guess what? I don't care if you're from Libya. I don't care what country you're from. Iran, you name it. Even if you're Russia, you mess with our plans to create a global economy. You're going down. That's what's going on, folks, behind the scenes. Now, the hot button right now that we really need to be concerned about, Russia is something to be concerned about, and uh, what's happening there. Uh, but the big one is China. China is right now trying to uh, usurp some people's plans. China right now is trying to control the world uh, currency, and uh, I wonder what that's going to lead to. Let's take a look at what they're doing. Do you think uh, with China saying that it wants to make the yuan a global alternative to the dollar, is there any possibility of that happening at some point? Yes, I think it's perfectly reasonable to think that the Chinese want to see their currency to become the next uh, world currency. There is a plan. And of course, China at the moment is purchasing more and more gold. This also plays into this. You know, we heard this. They recently purchased several tons of, hundreds tons of gold through Hong Kong. So China is uh, taking a, a leap forward, actually, to control the world currency and to replace it with the yuan, yes. So you're trying to mess with it, just like Russia and Libya and Iraq, and I wonder what that's going to lead to. Something's coming, folks. Okay? Oh, by the way, they're making good headway on their goal. If you paid attention to the uh, headlines recently, quote, the Chinese economy just overtook the United States economy to become the largest in the world. We have now become number two. 
Number two, quote, for the first time since Ulysses S. Grant was president, America is not the leading economic power on the planet. China is. Oh, have you also noticed another trend that's been going on for several years? China has been over here buying up real estate like you can't even believe. It's almost like somebody's planning on being here for a while. But you're messing with the plan, so what's the, uh, what's the problem? Well, you might get a spanking. And some believe that maybe, don't know, I'm not going to say thus saith the Lord, but maybe this is going to be the impetus for this war, uh, possibly from China. Revelation 9, uh, 9, verses 15 through 16, And the four angels who had been prepared for the hour and the day and the month and the year were released so that they would kill a third of mankind. One third of the planet is going to die. In this battle, listen to this. And the number of the armies of the horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. Now, as we saw before in this passage before, it just so happens according to the U.S. military, and this is their number, not mine. Talk about freaky. This was 2,000 years ago recorded for us. They said that right now China has the ability to raise an army of that exact number. That's from the U.S. Army Strategic Center. They said 200 million. China has that capability. So, and then one-third's going to go in that battle, and is it going to be a currency battle? Is it, don't know. But isn't it weird how it's all being interplayed? The machinery's in place, the treaties are tied in together, there's a, there's a battle going on, and, and it, obviously it's going to erupt into something, because they can't disagree, then all of a sudden, now the ashes of the whole thing, one guy rises up, takes control, and brings peace back to the planet. I wonder who that guy is. Uh, it's called the Antichrist. Now, he needs one more thing to fulfill that passage, and that brings us to the third proof that we're headed for a one-world economy is the currency. The currency is already in place uh, to fulfill uh, what he needs to control the planet, literally what people buy and sell. We not only have the machinery, we not only have these economic unions being put into place to hand over to the Antichrist, but it needs to also be some sort of universal global currency. Okay, and wonder of wonders with all the things going on with the economy, guess what the big movers and shakers around the planet are calling for right now? Hey, we not only need these uh, groups of unions to come together, we need to have a single unified global currency for the whole planet. Listen to this, the UN right now is calling for a global currency. The International Monetary Fund, shocker, is calling for a global currency. Leaders in England, Europe, United States, all over the world are calling for a global currency. In fact, so are the banks. Listen to this. The Institute of International Finance, a group that represents 420 of the largest banks and finances houses, are calling, once again, for a one-world, right now, global currency. And then talk about Blunt, another outfit called the Single Global Currency Association. I wonder what they're about. Said this. They are calling for the world to embrace, right now, a single global currency to be managed by a global central bank and a global monetary union. So you split it up into 10 chunks that can be managed, and then you say, well, you know what? Let's just combine the whole thing into one. What did Revelation 17 say? That's what's going to happen. 2,000 years ago, this is what they're calling for. Now listen to the rationale why we need to do this and why they think it's going to work. Well, they say, if the European Monetary Union can successfully provide stable currencies to its countries, why not a global monetary union for all countries? And listen to what they said. And we shall achieve this goal through education and persuasion. Can I translate that for you? Revelation 13 says, by force, order, we're going to make you do it or you're not going to be able to buy and sell. Okay, don't believe me? Pay attention to what happened to Libya. 
Iraq or Russia, and who knows what's coming soon with uh, China. Now, what's interesting, too, is you remember that Revelation 13 talks about a false prophet working in cohorts, going to dupe the whole planet, not just worshiping the Antichrist, but instilling this global economy with the mark and stuff like that? Well, of all people who's also behind this push for a, a, a global currency uh, is the Vatican. Turn to somebody and say, shocker. Okay, <laughs> the Pope. The Pope is actually right now, Pope Francis is calling for a global tax, a global tax to be paid to the United Nations to, quote, redistribute wealth for the poor. Really? Well, I like what one guy said this. He says, if you really want to help the poor, uh, with all due respect, how about we start with melting your throne? You know, I mean, doesn't the Bible say something like go and sell everything you have? And I mean, how, much, how many people could you feed if you just melt just that thing down? Not to mention all the other things that you have and how many, whoa, but no, 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 no. You see, the rich always want to give somebody else's riches away. But you're even seeing a religious leader on the planet promoting this as well, as well as the Antichrist and things of that nature, okay? But it goes even deeper than that. You see, you not just need a global currency, which is what they're calling for right now. You need a global electronic currency, okay, uh, because you need to somehow market on people, right? On their right hand or on their forehead, right? And that's, I think, pretty obvious and contextually, because how many guys, the last time you went to Walmart, uh, you paid uh, by taping $5 on the back of your hand and had that, right? Or John, when he bought that uh, giant arc of chili at Home Depot, apparently, and built it over nine years. Uh, <laughs> that thing's huge. Wait till you see it. <laughs> Uh, that he did it because what he did is he, he, uh, he super glued a bunch of coins on top of his head. and that's no. So obviously when you're dealing with a mark for economic purposes on your body part, it's electronic. Can we agree on that? I think that's common sense, okay? Well, believe it or not, folks, there's not only a call for global currency, but we now have a new global electronic currency that can be turned into the mark. Anybody hear Bitcoin? Yep. Let's take a look at what this thing can do. What is Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the first decentralized digital currency. Bitcoins are digital coins you can send through the internet. Compared to other alternatives, Bitcoins have a number of advantages. Bitcoins are transferred directly from person to person via the net, without going through a bank or clearinghouse. This means that the fees are much lower. You can use them in every country. Your account cannot be frozen. And there are no prerequisites or arbitrary limits. Several currency exchanges exist where you can buy and sell Bitcoins for dollars, euros, and more. Your Bitcoins are kept in your digital wallet on your computer or mobile device. Sending Bitcoins is as simple as sending an email. And you can purchase anything with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is changing finance the same way the web changed publishing. When everyone has access to a global market, great ideas flourish. Interesting. So you could use this electronic currency to buy and sell any country in the world and anything you want in the world. Okay. Now, I'm not saying this is the actual currency that will be turned into the mark of the beast. I'm not saying that, but what are you seeing the trend? There's now new, brand spanking new, never before invented currency that's electronic that you can make purchases around the world. But I will say this, what's interesting, he talks about it leads to new ideas, great ideas, right? Well, one of the great ideas that people have already figured out that they can do with this Bitcoin, this electronic global currency, is you know what you can do? You could also implant a microchip in your hand and sell with and buy with Bitcoin. And it's not just an idea. People are already doing it. This is wild.
A Dutch man had two wireless computer chips implanted in his body. He did it so he could store digital money and use chips for other purposes like program an alarm clock. Martin Wismeyer is an entrepreneur and the London Telegraph reports that says the experiment was a success. He says the chips can be used not only for digital currency, but as keys for your house or monitoring your health, even helping call a doctor if you have a heart attack. And he believes people who use the chips are helping to make them socially acceptable. Yeah, I mean, don't you guys want to be a part of the new revolution? Don't you want to be cool? Huh? Everybody loves tattoos and body implants nowadays. It's almost like that's a prep thing. I mean, you get one of these implants and you can turn on your lights, set your alarm clock, you know, because we all hate getting that callus on the finger. You could call a doctor. You, you, you could buy and sell if you just got this implant. Folks, what, what do we put it all together? For the first time in the history of mankind, we're seeing the machinery already in place, not being put in place, already in place for a global economy. We're seeing the unions, the Tin Horn Kingdom coming together as we speak, not just government, but economically. We're even seeing the call right now from people all over the world, movers and shakers for a universal currency, and we're even seeing a brand new currency that's not only electronic, could go anywhere in the planet, but people are already, not just thinking about it, already implanted in their hand to make purchases. I'd say we're living in the last days. We don't know the exact day nor the hour. That's very clear. And you should never, ever be a date setter. But folks, how much more does God have to show us to let us know it's getting close? And that's why in closing, again, Jesus always says, Luke 21, 28, when these things begin to take place, what do you do? Stand up, lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. So that means Christians, it's getting close, okay? And so let's be responsible Christians and let other people know, hey, there's a way out of this mess. His name's Jesus Christ, amen? That's why we're still here. Okay, let's not get to heaven empty-handed. But if you're here today and you're not a Christian, what more proof does God got to give you? What's he got to do to wake you up? Why do you think you're here? I beg you, heed these signs, heed these warnings. This is coming. And when the Antichrist takes control, if you don't do what he says, if you say no, you are going to be killed. This is a horrible time. You don't want to be here. The good news is you can take the way out now before it's too late. Through Jesus, don't be left behind. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven, and that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness, or the wrong things that we have done, have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin, or unholiness, uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy, we're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy 
God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay? How many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that, and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn, we, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it, and a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. 
And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.